Greetings everyone and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have Glenn Lundy today from Lexington, Kentucky. Now Glenn is the founder of Rise and Grind under whose umbrella he does a lot of different things but he's also been someone who's been very closely associated with the automotive world and we'll talk about that as well but there's a lot of things that Glenn does. He runs his own show, he's helping people out there in terms of rising and grinding and he's had a tough life too at a point in time and he's overcome that so we'll talk about all of that. So welcome Glenn. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing this space and this time with me. It means everything to me. Absolutely, Glenn. So in your own words, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. Uh, my name is Glenn Lundy. I'm a husband to one and a father to eight. I got eight beautiful little babies. Um, the host of Hashtag Rise and Grind, which is a morning show that we do Monday through Friday at 5.30 a.m. That is nothing but motivation, education, and inspiration. And then I'm also a 22-year automotive professional. Um, and I now work with owners and general managers of car dealerships all over the country, helping them scale their volume, their profitability, and their overall employee retention, as well as the culture in the dealership. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. So from a professional standpoint, what did you do? Did you always get into cars before you did the other motivational stuff? Yeah, so car business, been in my blood for a long time, since I was 20 years old. Um, I had two seasons in the car business. So I had a, a stretch in my 20s where I was working at a dealership in Arizona. And ultimately, my career was doing well, but my life outside of the place was not, as well as my career was going well, but the dealership itself wasn't growing. And so I got out of the automotive industry for a couple of years and then ultimately ended up back in the industry when I met my wife out here in Kentucky. And in that dealership, I made a decision that I wasn't going to uh, allow the industry to kind of affect me outside of work. Instead, I was going to be a disruptor in the industry itself. And so I took a dealership, a small dealership in a small town, population 9,600 dealership that had been there about 56 years and with some great partnerships with the owner of the, of the dealership and then an incredible team of people that we put together, we were able to grow that tiny little dealership 800% in six years, making it the second largest used car franchise dealership in the country. So I had the honor of running that dealership. So there was season one with no growth, season two with incredible, tremendous, unheard of growth. And now I get the luxury and the joy of working with other dealers to help them get the same results in their stores. So now since you've kind of been there around the block in terms of cars and dealerships, you've, already, you've seen the, the, I don't know how to call it, maybe the maturity of uh, buying cars from going into dealerships versus uh, buying them online. What do you think of that? Yeah, so, you know, consumers tell us exactly what they want at all times. And if you're willing to listen and make the shifts and the pivots, you know, that should be everybody's business model is like, listen to the consumer, they will tell you. And so for decades now, the consumer has been telling us in the automotive industry that the process is, is ancient, you know, and it's not comfortable, it's not enjoyable, it's not fast enough, um, things like that. And so a lot of dealers across the country have been working on that, they recognize that they've been shifting on it. 
COVID hit and everyone was forced before they were working on it. Now everybody's moving towards it, creating a better um, experience for the consumer. So these guys that are coming in from the outside, the bigger players like the Tesla and the Carvana and the Vroom and some of these bigger players that are coming into the market, uh, they're, they're, they're worthy adversaries. So they challenge us to be better as hometown dealers. And um, there's, a, there's something that's to be said about dealers. I mean, once they get their back against the wall, they tend to be pretty resilient. So it's an exciting season to see some people from the outside bringing new, fresh ideas into the industry, which, of course, just helps us evolve. You know, how much of the car buying experience do you think leads to the actual sale? Like as far as whether or not somebody actually buys? Yeah, experience is everything. Uh, people buy when value exceeds price. So the, the, the price has nothing to do with it. It's all about perceived value. Um, the unique thing is every person has a different idea of what's valuable. And so it goes back to listening to the consumer and the consumer will tell you what they find valuable, what's valuable to them, and ultimately being able to serve them through their value proposition that ultimately turns into the car deal. It's never about price. Now, you know, in your own personal life, you actually experienced what's rock bottom, right? So what was rock bottom and how was your experience and how did you dig yourself out of it? Yeah, so rock bottom for me, you know, I lost custody. Uh, I had a six-year-old little girl and her mom took uh, custody of her. So I lost custody. I wasn't able to see her. I was making a lot of poor decisions in my life in that season. And so when I lost custody of my daughter, I decided to leave Flagstaff, Arizona, where I grew up and go, you know, wherever and go roam about the country and figure out where I was going to land. And so in doing so, I spent some time in Las Vegas, which is not a good place to go when you don't have a lot of money, by the way. Uh, it's not the smartest first move. So I spent some time in Las Vegas and then it landed in Southern California. And after burning enough bridges and making enough enemies, I ended up homeless in the, uh, in, on the beaches of, of San, in San Diego, California. I was just homeless walking the beaches looking for pennies and nickels and dimes. And maybe if I could get lucky, I'd find a quarter. And so I spent that season of homelessness going all day looking for coins so that I could get enough money to get on the bus at night. And I would jump on the bus around 6 or 7 p.m. and I'd sleep on the bus until 6 o'clock the next morning because the buses run 24-7 out there. So I'd get dropped off at the army depot and then I'd, or the bus depot, and then I'd go back and I'd look for some change so I could get a sausage wing muffin with egg. You know, that was all the food groups, right? I could get my egg or, you know, my dairy, my, uh, my meat and my, my, my grain, you know, all of that in one sandwich. So I'd get enough money to put together one of those. And then I'd spend the rest of the day looking for change again to get back on the bus. And this cycle was, terrible and homelessness when every day seems the same starts to turn into hopelessness and then hopelessness can lead to depression depression can lead to suicidal thoughts and tendencies and the worst part about it was the more homeless you are the longest you've been longer you've been homeless the more bedraggled you'd look more intimidating you might possibly look and so people stop making eye contact with you they, they, they see right through you. They see around you. You ultimately become invisible. And there is nothing worse as a human being than to feel invisible where no one says your name. No one says hello. No one, you know, it's just an empty, empty place. 
And so once I got to that place after a while, I was kind of fed up with it. And so decided to um, take my own life, swam out into the Pacific Ocean just off the cliffs of La Jolla, California, towards the evening after other people had cleared off the beach. And uh, I swam out as far as I could, knowing that I'm not a very good swimmer and I wouldn't be able to swim back. And ultimately, just before uh, I drowned in the Pacific Ocean, I was washed back up on shore. And once I was washed back up on shore, I remember laying there. My first thought was, man, I can't even do this right. Right. I felt, felt, felt bad about that, that I couldn't even take my own life. And then immediately those thoughts shifted to one of responsibility. I started to realize that every bad situation that in my life, I was the only constant. It didn't matter what city I was in. It didn't matter who I was around. The only guy that was there every single time I got in trouble was me. The only time that was there, the only guy that was there every time something negative happened in my life was me. Everything else was a revolving door. And so once I realized that, I was like, wait a minute, if I'm in control of the negative things that happen in my life, maybe, just maybe, I can be in control of the positive things that happen in my life. And so from there, I went on a journey. I wanted to better understand how we have the power to influence our own destinies, how we are not victims, but actually responsible for everything that happens in our world. And as I went down that path to study that, I wanted to get to know myself better And so I spent some time in uh, Scientology at the Orange County Scientology. I spent six months there studying communication skills, how the brain works, clearing out some old, bad, um, you know, habits and belief systems, those types of things. And, um, you know, from there, that kind of catapulted me into understanding that we're 3D, not 2D, that we're actually mind, body and spirit and not just mind and body. And that was a big shift for me. And ever since then, I've just been trying to study and, and better understand who I am as a human, why we're here as humans, uh, all of those things that, that fulfill us with purpose and joy. Uh, I've been working on trying to get some answers to those questions ever since. Awesome. So how long was this period for you? You know, the, the period of disillusionment, how many uh, months, years, what was the period like? Yeah, so leading up into, you know, Leading up until that moment, you know, I was a non-believer and very Darwinistic, survival of the fittest. If I could take advantage of you, I would. You know, that was that was my jam all the way until I was about 28, 29 years old. And it wasn't until then in this particular experience that I was able to, you know, start seeking a better understanding. And so I've been seeking that understanding for a long time now, you know, I'm 43 years old. So the last 13, 14 years, really digging into a lot of books and a lot of videos and just trying to understand, you know, who, who I am. And then where, when did uh, uh, Rise and Grind come about? When was that founded? Yeah, so in the dealership here in Kentucky, uh, we really were growing and doing really well with that. And I had made a name for myself in social media through the dealership and then a name for myself in the auto industry just because of the success that we had had. And so in January of 2018, I started doing this morning show uh, where I thought it would be a great marketing idea for the dealership because I was branding the dealership through it every single day. And also I could really help people change the way they start their day, which I think is the most important thing that you can decide to do is really have a good solid morning routine and foundation before you go out into the world. 
And so I wanted to teach that. I wanted to create a space of motivation, education, inspiration with no negativity, politics, division, any of those things. And so I went live on January 6th of 2018 for the first time with hashtag rise and grind from my utility closet in my house that had a water heater on just on the backside of the camera so that nobody could see it. And uh, I did the first show and the lights were blinding me in my eyes. I was rubbing the boogers out of my eyes because I had just woken up like 10 minutes before. And it was uh, it was awful, man. It was awful. But uh, that first episode, someone reached out and said that me being on there had impacted and changed their life in a profound way. And that was all I needed to, to keep going. And so I've been doing shows ever since. We did eight episode 803 uh, this morning, wow. 803 straight episodes. Awesome. So what all do you do under the Rise and Grind umbrella? Yeah, under Rise and Grind, you know, it's really a community. We have a Facebook group where everybody gets together. And so we have the community. We have a 30-minute show that I do Monday through Monday through Friday for 30 minutes that highlights what's, you know, it, it keeps news, politics, and division out, but it highlights what's going on in the world um, as well as how we can extract greatness from it. And uh, Rise and Grind has also become a clothing line. People wanted clothes, so we've got Rise and Grind gear and then we have events that we do when there's live events that are possible. We do live events, which are absolutely incredible. So yeah, just a lot of things under Rise and Grind, but it's really about creating a community of people that are all rowing the boat in the same direction. So creating a community and creating a movement, you know, you've been there and done that. So can you lay it out for our listeners in terms of how to go about the process? Yeah, man. The, uh, the most important part is you have to understand the equation of affinity, right? How do I get more people to like me? What is the, what is the equation? Success leaves clues. How do I get more people to like me? Because people do business with people that they like. Simple as that. And so, uh, you know, just putting it together, understanding that frequency plus proximity equals affinity, is the biggest tip that I can give anyone that's trying to trying to uh, get started. The more frequent you and I can have interactions, the closer in proximity of those interactions, as long as that interaction is positive, it's only a matter of time before your affinity of me will increase. You'll find me more attractive, not necessarily physically more attractive, but you'll be more attracted to me and want to run into the, in, in alongside of me of the different things that I'm, you know, that I'm running. And so we use that formula for a long time, posting two times a day, every day on social media, doing the show at 5.30 a.m. every day, making sure we're showing up, you know, 800 times. That's our frequency. Our proximity is a gift because we live in 2021 and you can't get closer to somebody than this guy right here. So I have really strong relationships with people because they, they take me places they won't take their spouse. So people take me with them when they're going number two in the toilet. People take me with them when they're, you know, taking a shower first thing in the morning. People take me with them when they're in the car driving their kids to school. People take me with them, right? And so our proximity is you cannot, you literally cannot get any closer you just have to make sure you're engaging that listener so that they feel like they're a part of the conversation, not just being talked to. And so that's our frequency. 
That's how we get proximity. And we always, 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 always make sure everyone we contact with comes out better than they came in. And by doing so, we've drawn more attraction and you can draw more attraction doing the same thing, drawing more people that will like you and ultimately do business with you. Awesome. So for people that want to get in touch with you, Glenn, where do they reach you? Yeah, best thing to do is go to glennlundy.com. If you go to glennlundy.com, it'll connect to all my different social media feeds. You can find the Rise and Grind group. If you want to join that, that would be great. And uh, yeah, that's the best place to go. Go to glennlundy.com. Awesome. Glenn, this has been a pleasure talking to you, learning about your life. Um, and you know, you're a big inspiration in terms of how you have hit the rock bottom and totally come out of it and come out tops. Before I let you go, one takeaway for the listeners, anything that you'd like to share with them? Um, the biggest takeaway that I'll leave for the listeners is I believe if you can change the way you start your day, it'll make a massive impact in your life. And so we are focused on a mission with Rise and Grind to help people rise every single day with intention and purpose so that they can evolve into the best versions of themselves they can possibly be ultimately, so they can go out and make an impact in other people's lives. So those four key words are our core values, rise, evolve, impact together. And so I just suggest you get around other like-minded people that are looking to help you in those areas, helping you to rise every day with intention and purpose, helping you to evolve into the best version of yourself that you can possibly be, helping you make an impact in other people's lives and making sure that you don't ever have to do anything alone. Because like I said earlier, there's nothing worse than being completely alone and feeling utterly invisible. It is an incredibly hopeless and dark place. So that's what I would suggest, man. Just uh, stick to those core values and change the way you start your day. Make sure you're feeding mind, body, and spirit. And I actually have a small book that I wrote about this called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Life. The Morning Five, and that's the number five. And you can go get that at themorningfive.com. You can download that free ebook if you'd like to check out that resource. Awesome. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for sharing your story. Wish you the very best and look forward to keeping connected. Thank you, sir. Sounds great.